George Seville said, a man who is master of patience is master of everything else. Hi, welcome to Sunday Sermons with Jerry Webb. We're going to talk about patience today as we move our way through the summer series on the fruit of the Spirit. How's your patience level? Well, if you need some help, this is the place to be. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully, as you listen to this message, you'll find help to grow your patience level. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, passage that we're using all summer long to guide us, and then also 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. But the fruits produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action of life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. And from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Friday evening as I was driving home from work, it was rush hour time, and uh, I always drive north on M53 to 26 Mile Road, turn right. That's, that's my way home. And as I got off of M53 on the, the ramp there and up to the traffic circle, the roundabout, uh, traffic was stacked up every direction. And it, it was obvious we were gonna sit a while to wait our turn. Uh, as we were sitting, two or three cars behind me, I start hearing the impatient tap of a horn. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is this person looking around? <laughs> Are they really looking to see that there is nowhere for any of us to go? Uh, we couldn't go forward on the, the ramp because of cars everywhere and traffic on 26 Mile headed east, which is uh, the traffic you have to navigate on that little roundabout, was backed up a quarter mile from the traffic light down the street. You couldn't go anywhere. And I'm thinking, why is this person bothering to honk? <laughs> Can't they see? And then I thought, well, it's probably payback. Because as I uh, was up here at the corner of Utica Road and 18 Mile, I was sitting in the left turn lane. There was one car in front of me, and it was a green light both directions. And, And there was suddenly an opening in traffic, and the driver in front of me wasn't paying attention. So I gave him a polite little tap on the horn just to let him know. I figured he was looking at his phone or had his eyes closed or whatever. And I just gave him a little tap. And uh, just to alert him, that there's room for you to go. You don't have to wait on the green arrow. You know, you can, you can go. He had so much time that he had time to roll down his window and give me a gesture before he made his turn. 
And I still got around before traffic came again. So I, I figured it was payback. <laughs> but, but patience. Our world needs some patience, don't you think? We are in a rush everywhere, in a rush for everything. And we are growing more impatient. And with that growing impatience is uh, the growing anger that goes along with it. I guess a lot of people are like Margaret Thatcher. Uh, she once said, I'm extraordinarily patient, provided I get my way in the end. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that describes us pretty well. That describes us all pretty well. Harvey McKay wrote a book that sold uh, hundreds of thousands of copies called Swim with the Sharks. And in that book, he tells of interviewing the 80, at the time, 88-year-old president of Japan's largest enterprise, which then was Matsushita Electric. And he was answering uh, and, and it, the, the questions uh, on the future of the company. And the... Uh, and the interviewer said, Mr. President, does your company have any long-range goals? Yes. How long are your long-range goals? 250 years. What do you need to carry them out? Patience. <laughs> Patience. Or maybe this will help you think about patience. I think some of you are really going to like this, this poem that, written by an unknown poet. Four-line little poem. Some of you are really going to like this. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman. Never in a man. <laughs> oh, my. I, I laugh because I think it's true. <laughs> you know, we're studying the fruits of the Spirit this summer. We're studying them because they are a testimony of the power of God in the life of a person who fully yields to God. Fully yields to His Spirit. And this morning as we talk about patience, maybe it would be a good idea just to have a common de definition. So here is one definition of patience comes from Richard Houts. He says, a calm endurance or perseverance, not easily provoked by suffering or questionable conduct of others. Not easily provoked by suffering or by questionable conduct of others. I think that's a pretty good definition. There's probably parts that could be added, elements that could be expanded, but, but that gives us enough to work with that uh, will help us today as we think about this fruit of the Spirit being played out in our lives, as that character quality of God being strengthened in us so that each of us become more patient and, and less prone to take out our impatience on others. What, what does the Bible say about God's patience? Maybe that's a place to begin today. Is to think about God's patience. Well, one of the interesting things to note is that God's patience does have a limit. 
There is a limit. I, I don't know if we're allowed to have a limit on our patients, but God's patient has a limit, at least in one area, it has a limit. Genesis chapter three, it's the story of Noah. It's the story of the wickedness of man. And God finally comes to the place where he says enough. And in that passage, he says, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. For they are only mortal flesh. In the future, they will live no more than 120 years. Interesting. Why does he say that? Well, I think in part, uh, one person has said that his comment about we won't live more than 120 years, very few of us make that, uh, almost never, really. Uh, One person writing about this says he believed that God is saying that he's allowing people 120 years to change their sinful ways. He's giving us time to change our sinful ways. And I think in that 120 years is significant because really what he's saying is, I'm going to give you a lifetime, your lifespan, to change your ways. I'm going to be that patient with you. But in that he's saying While he's showing us great patience, he's saying he's giving us time to quit living our way and begin living his way, the way he shows us in his word. He's giving us time. Well, 120 years seems like a long time, and it is for us on this side of eternity. Eventually, time ran out for God's people. And the floodwaters swept across the earth. How often do we stop to think that maybe our time is running out? Not our lifespan, but our time that God is going to be patient with us. That it's time maybe to, to turn to God and ask Him to forgive us of our sins. You know, we we can't see the stopwatch of God's patience. By the way, my my watch died, so you might be in trouble. Uh, you, You can't see the stopwatch of God's patience. His watch doesn't die. There's no bargaining, though, for additional time. He gives us a lifetime. He gives us an opportunity to to turn from our ways. He's patient with us, but it does have a limit. And we need to keep that in mind. Another thing about God's patience is that we shouldn't take it for granted. Joshua chapter 23, Scripture says, If you break the covenant of the Lord your God by worshiping and serving other gods, his anger will burn against you, and you will quickly be wiped out from the good land he has given you. That chilling prediction about the consequences of intermarriage with the Canaanite nations eventually became a reality. 
there's a lot of stories in the book of Judges to show that God allowed Israel to suffer because of the failure to follow him wholeheartedly. He was supremely loving and he was patient with Israel, just as he is with us. But there came a limit, there came an end. And I think the lesson for us in that is to to know that we can't confuse his patience with us as approval or, or even of indifference to our sin. We have to beware of demanding our own way. Because eventually, you may get your own way, along with all of its painful consequences. One more thing about God's love, and then we'll move on. But patience is an expression of his love. It's an expression of it. You probably all are pretty familiar with the three stories of of God's love toward us in Luke chapter 15. Of course, the one we know the best and think of most often is the, the return of the prodigal coming home to his father after his life of uh, waywardness. And the scripture says that the father was filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Interesting. There are three stories there in that chapter about God wanting us to come home, wanting to find us. First is the seeker actively looking for the coin that had been lost, and then the seeker looking for the the one sheep, one little lamb that had been lost. They couldn't return by themselves. They had to be sought for. But in this story, where the son had an option, had the mind, the will, the ability to return home on his own, uh, the father just watched and waited. He watched and waited. He was dealing with a human being of his own will. And he was ready to greet his son if he returned, but he had already released him. In the same way, God's love is constant. God's love is patient. God's love is welcoming with us. He will search for us and he will give us opportunities to respond, but he will not force us to come home. Like the father in this story, God waits patiently for us (laughs) to come to our senses. And if we want to think about patience and God's patience in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, then it begins with understanding how he's been patient with us. And if we haven't come home, it's time to come home. It's time to find the forgiveness that Christ would give. He's waiting. He'll give you a lifetime. But there comes a day when waiting is over and consequences begin. So come now. Come while you can. Come home. Well, that's about God's patience with us. How is our patience 
strengthened. Well, there's two ways I want to talk about. There, there are probably a whole lot more, but two ways I want to talk about today about how our patience is strengthened. One is that difficulties strengthen our patience. Now, the Bible is filled with these stories that give us insight into to patience and waiting, how it works itself out. One of the stories is in Exodus chapter 5. It's Moses coming as the leader of, of his people as they were still in slavery in Egypt. Exodus chapter 5, verse 22, it says, So Moses went back to the Lord and protested. Why have you mistreated your own people like this, Lord? Why did you send me? See, what, what he's referring to, if you read the verses around, chapter, uh, verse 22, uh, Pharaoh had just increased the Hebrews' workload as Moses had come and said, God says, let these people go, and Moses said no. And so instead of letting them go, he increased the amount of work they would have to do. He made it harder for them to, to do the work that they were required to do as his slaves. And Moses protested that God hadn't rescued his people. And Moses, I think, expected what we expect. He expected faster results and fewer problems. Faster results and fewer problems. Have you ever found yourself expecting faster results and fewer problems? Have you ever wondered why in the world you still have all of these issues after you came to Jesus? Didn't he promise us abundant life? Doesn't his way make it easier? Well, yes and no. God doesn't promise us that he's going to act quickly. He doesn't promise us fewer problems. He promises us the resources we need to handle the problems that come our way, the challenges that come our way. So when God is at work, suffering, setbacks, hardship may still occur, and it usually does. James 1, verses 2 through 4, we're encouraged to be happy when difficulties come our way. I'll read that in a few moments. But here's, here's something for us to think about, just four little points. Problems develop our patience and our character by teaching us first how to trust God to do what is best for us. That we can trust God to do what's best for us. That may mean he operates in a way differently than we would like him to. I keep coming back since my early days in ministry when I directed choirs. There's a hymn that I taught a choir like 30, 40 years ago. 40 years ago. And it, I can still sing it. If I chose to, I won't, for your benefit. But it's based on the scripture. It says, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts beyond tracing out. 
And we remember that sometimes God's teaching us patience and he's developing our character in the, in the midst of hardship. And we're just called to trust him, to trust that he's doing what is best for us, even if we can't see it. And even if it doesn't look like it's good. We look for ways to honor God in our present situation, whatever it is. But I think it's especially important for our mindset to, to honor God in the midst of our difficulties, to honor God when where our patience is being tested. And to remember that God will not abandon us and to watch for his plan. Our patience is strengthened in difficult times. A number of years ago, there was a little article in uh, the devotional Our Daily Bread talked about some of the great missionaries of history. I'm just going to read this little section to you. Some of the greatest missionaries of history devotedly spread the seed of God's word and yet had to wait for long periods before seeing the fruit of their efforts. William Carey, for example, labored seven years before the first Hindu convert was brought to Christ in Burma. Adoniram Judson toiled seven years before his faithful preaching was rewarded. In Western Africa, it was 14 years before one convert was received into the Christian church. In New Zealand, it took nine years. And in Tahiti, it was 16 years before the harvest of souls began. Well, these great missionaries teach us patience and perseverance. Patience. I've been preaching here for a long time. And I got to tell you that if I didn't see some little signs that it was doing something good <laughs> every now and then, I don't know if I'd keep going for 16 or 17 years. I don't know if I have that kind of patience. I would hope I do. But we want everything so right now. So right this moment. Uh. Now the way our patience is developed is through waiting. Through waiting. You probably know the story of Esther and her uncle Mordecai. If you remember that story, you remember that Mordecai exposed a plot to uh, assassinate the king. And the assassination attempt was stopped and account of it was made in the history of the king's journals, but Mordecai was never rewarded at, at the time that it happened. Years passed by. Years passed by. And one night, King Haman, or the, the king could not sleep and, and Mordecai was about to be hanged by Haman, the wicked person in the story. 
And that night, the king couldn't sleep. Xerxes was his name. He couldn't sleep, so he got up and he, he began looking through the history of his kingship, as it had been recorded by his scribes. And he ran across this little notation about Mordecai saving him from an assassination plot. And just as Mordecai was about to hang, Xerxes brings him in to give him honor. Years later. Here's the point. God promises to reward our good deeds. But sometimes we feel that the payoff is too far away. We're a little impatient. But remember, God steps in when it will do the most good. When it will do the most good. The big thing, I think, and, uh, about patience is learning to wait. Maybe the hardest thing for those of us who, who struggle with patience. One of the things I decided to do this week in preparation for today and thinking about patience and knowing that even in my own life, I, I always need an infusion of patience. Uh, I found a little, uh, I think it's a seven day reading plan in the Bible app. Uh, it's written by Elizabeth Thompson and it's based on a book she wrote. I love the title of her book. Wait is a four letter word. I encourage you, if you're used to using the Bible app, look for that little reading plan. See if you can find it. Elizabeth Thompson, wait is a four-letter word. In there, one of the days, she asked two questions. First one, how will I wait? And the second one, and I think this is the most important part of what I want to share with you today. Who will I become along the way? While I'm patiently waiting, who will I become? Who will I be? James chapter one, verses three and four says, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Well, if I'm understanding what James has recorded for us in the Bible correctly, I think what James is saying to us is that there is an area in us, a part of us, that is incomplete when we are impatient. There, there's something yet that God needs to work in us. So what does it look like when we're complete? Well, well, I think it looks like the fruit of the Spirit. Fully ripened. Fully evident. Love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, depending on your translation. I'm using patience today. The new NIV uses forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So... Who am I becoming as I wait? What does it look like to be complete 
in the, the fruit of the spirit of patience. I wrote down six or eight things, actually maybe a few more than that in my journal the other day. I'm sure I could add more. I'm sure you would add more. But I want you to think about when you're waiting, who are you becoming? When you're waiting for God to answer a prayer that you've been praying for a long time and the answer hasn't come, who are you becoming? When you're waiting in the driveway in the car for your spouse to come out of the house, who are you becoming? When the line is long at the traffic circle and you can't get through in the amount of time you think is reasonable, who are you becoming? When you have to wait 20 minutes in the quick drive-through at McDonald's, who are you becoming? Here's some thoughts, just things I jotted down in 45 seconds journaling the other day. When I'm complete in the fruit of the Spirit, in patience, I'm calm, I'm peaceful, I'm patient, I'm balanced, I'm helpful, I'm encouraging to others, especially in my language. In other words, I'm not giving the people that I'm impatient with any little salutes like I got the other day. I'm active, engaged, I'm persevering, I'm determined, I'm curious. What are you becoming as you wait? See, I think that's why God allows us to sit in these positions sometimes when we have to exercise patience because he's working on that part of us that is incomplete and he wants us to become more full, spirit-filled. Who are you becoming? when you wait. Here's one, one more thought, this idea of waiting. This came to me this morning, very late, before, you know, in time to make it in this message. But another thought. Is it possible my answer is going to be yes, by the way. Is it possible that God's allowing you to wait, to demonstrate patience, because in that waiting time, you're mentoring others, because they're watching you. They know you're waiting. And they're watching your example and learning from you of what godly patience looks like. And they're finding clues by observing you of what they can become as they learn to exercise the fruit of the Spirit of patience in their life. See, I think we forget that we're always being watched. We're always being watched. Started reading a little book this week. Uh, it's, it's actually about marketing friend recommended it. Um, 
It's written by another guy I know. But the title of it is, You Are the Brand. You're the brand. When we take the name Christian, we're, we're the brand. When we say we're a Christian and people start watching us, they expect to see us living, behaving, speaking, believing as a Christian would be. So if they see us impatient, if they see us unloving, unkind, we're the brand. Who are you becoming? As you wait. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 tells us to run with endurance the race set before us. George Matheson wrote, we commonly associate patience with lying down. We think of it as the angel that guards the couch of the invalid. Yet there is a patience that I believe to be harder. The patience that can run to lie down in the time of grief, to be quiet under the stroke of adverse fortune implies great strength. But I know of something that implies a strength greater still. It is the power to work under stress, to have a great weight at your heart and still run, to have a deep anguish in your spirit and still perform the daily tasks. It's the Christ-like thing. The hardest thing is that most of us are called to exercise our patience, but not in the sickbed, but in the street. To wait is hard. To do it with good courage is harder. We're called to be patient. God knows we're going to need help with it. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit and, and one of the evidences, one of the fruits of the Spirit in us, is that He builds in us the character quality of patience. And so let's let that quality grow in us. That when people see us, they see our brand. They see one who is patient and gentle and loving, kind. May we be Spirit-filled, empowered, patient.